welcome to Center Church Dubai. We are a church built and centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ours is the story of a faithful God who saved imperfect people by His grace, united them by the love of Christ, and sent them out to bring many more to Him. Thanks for joining us. Today's scripture reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. Luke, chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus said, hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. This is the word of God. Good morning. It's indeed a joy and a privilege to, for me to be here uh, to see this amazing gathering of the people of God. Uh, it's always, it's always amazing to see dreams come to fruition. Even if you were just at the edge, at the fringe watching the dream of another and it's been my privilege to see Isaac dream this dream or rather God dream this dream in him and see it come to fruition so I praise God for that. The passage that we had just read to us this morning is fascinating for many reasons. First, it's the only passage where you have two for the price of one. It's the only passage that we have in the Gospels uh, where you have 
two miracles rolled into one story. You really can't separate these two. What's even more interesting is that Luke gives us this narrative. Uh, Luke is a stickler for detail. If you've read Luke, I mean, he says that I want to give you an orderly account and he goes about doing it, except when he comes to this particular passage, he doesn't really know how to kind of separate these threads. He has to leave them woven together. And I think there is a reason for doing that. And if you were to read through Luke, and uh, I understand that you all have worked through Luke before. So if you were to recollect that, or if you were to go back and read, you will find that there is a very interesting frame within which you come and engage with this passage. Because you will see, if you went through chapter 8, Luke tells us that Jesus went about teaching. That's, that's actually how chapter 8 begins. He goes from these cities and through these cities and villages. He's proclaiming and he's bringing the good news of the kingdom of God and Luke makes this comment that 12 were with him. But then when you go to chapter 9 and you look at what you see in the first few verses, now what Jesus did that you see him do in chapter 8, you now see him send people out to do. In other words, here is what happens as people who are encountered by Jesus, are gripped by Jesus, and in the light of that, he sets them up to do what he had intended to do. And so I've titled this morning's message, He Still Touches Us. He Still Touches Lives. You know, I've been away from active public ministry for almost uh, two plus years now. But when I was out there engaging with people, one of the things I used to hear over and over again is that this world is in a mess. Well, that story hasn't changed. I mean, you don't have to go very far or you don't have to click through too many links before you appreciate that this world indeed is in a mess. There's very few places on this planet that is not torn apart with strife. And things are really falling apart. The question is, where do we go? To whom do we turn? What do you do when you're desperate? The story begins with Jesus returning and a crowd welcoming him. So obviously that's not where this particular story is supposed to begin. So you trace it back a bit and you will find that Jesus was just on the other side of the lake and he has healed a man who is possessed with demons. Legion, we are told. And very interestingly, if you read verse 37 of chapter 8, the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes, we are told, ask Jesus to depart from there. I mean, what kind of a people will see someone who was cast away from society, considered not just an outcast, an undesirable aspect or a part of society, what kind of people would see someone like that be restored and not be happy about it? Well, that's what was happening over here. Because... 
the herdsmen we are told they see what happens to this man and they find him at Jesus's feet clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid or we still live in a world when people are not quite happy about things being put right we still live in a world where we actually don't want things to be all right for everybody because if it's all right for everybody else it might not turn out all right for us and they ask jesus to leave may i suggest to you that that has not changed 2000 years later there is no sitting on the fence when it comes to jesus you are either eagerly waiting for him to come or you're desperately wishing for him to leave and my prayer is that we will be found on the right side waiting but then when you're found on the right side waiting how do you wait because this, this desperation hasn't gone away has it just because you're on the right side waiting does not mean the world has changed does not mean that this desperation is no longer a reality it very much is and so you find jerius come to jesus desperate he comes to jesus and he says to jesus falling at his feet he implores him and he says my daughter is going to die but interestingly luke gives you a parallel story and the contrast the contrast between this people on one side of the lake wanting jesus to leave and another people on the other side of the lake wanting jesus to come that contrast is carried further down into the story when you have jerius over here described as a ruler of the synagogue who's falling at jesus feet contrasted with an unnamed woman i mean everything you had to say about jesus could be said in that one phrase ruler of the synagogue meaning he was a person of good standing well he of course had a roof over his head he had people who would listen to him and he has a good family we're told he has a daughter and only daughter was 12 years old and then you have this unnamed woman and nothing more is said about her except that she has a condition which robs her of everything she's ever had she might have come from a loving family but that family is no longer access to her accessible to her because she is a person who is both defiled and everyone she touches and everything she touches will be defiled well she's in jewish community which means that she is even if her father loved her as dearly as jerius loved his daughter she was out of bounds or the rest of her family was out of bounds for her when she when jerius came to jesus's feet he came with to jesus with everything on the line with everything that he has and the prospect of him having to lose all of that with this woman came to jesus she had nothing more to lose 
In fact, both Mark and Luke tell us that she had visited physicians and paid them her last dime and now she's going back with no resolution. What do you do when you're desperate? The answer very simply is be found at Jesus' feet. That's the only thing in common between these two people. Two people with very dissimilar circumstances coming from very dissimilar backgrounds have the one thing going for them and that is being found at Jesus' feet. And if you want to understand how they came to Jesus' feet, you must press in and you must look at what you see happen in Mark. And Mark gives us a very short understanding of that very, very quick. It's, all, it's, it's so, you know, passing in its detail. It's so ob oblivious in that you, you would miss it. Because here's what Mark tells us. Mark tells us that she heard about, and we lose this in the English translation because the English translation drops the definite article uh, when it comes to qualifying Jesus. So literally translated, Mark says, she heard about the Jesus, meaning this particular Jesus, and she came. Here's the first thing I want to say to us this morning. We live in a desperate world, but in your desperation, learn to respond in faith. Because that's what's happening over here. And faith, biblically speaking, is not what you have in the absence of knowledge. Faith, biblically speaking, is what you do with what you know. Here are two people who have heard about Jesus... And what they have heard is that here is someone who is there for you. Clearly, they would have heard about his miracles. They would have heard about his teaching because that's what Jesus went about doing. He went about teaching that the kingdom of God is here and he went about healing people. He was more eager to reach out to people and bless them than they were even able to ask of him. And so when they heard, she didn't know what, what she could, uh, you know, receive from Jesus. But she knew that here is someone who is there for her. And so she comes. Just as Jairus came in his desperation, she comes in a desperation and she responds to him in faith. And so I say to you this morning, in your desperation, as you hit those brakes, so to speak, as Alex kind of gently reminded us or challenged us to consider. In your desperation, lean in faith. Take what you know to be true and act upon it. But the story doesn't stop there. Because you see, she comes and she says, if only I would touch the fringe of his garment. Do you know of any record prior to this or after this where someone's actually saying, if only I could touch Jesus' garment, I'll be healed? I don't. You know, there's a reason why Jesus doesn't quite repeat the way he heals people twice. And the reason for that is that he knows how prone we are to making things into a formula. Some kind of a magic thing. 
But what was she trying to do? She was saying, if only I could catch a glimpse of him. If only I could have some contact with him. But then Jesus pauses and he says, who was it that touched me? You know, I love Peter. Read Peter's response. You know, if you, if you really wanted to enjoy the uniqueness of responding to Jesus, read Peter. Because he's telling Jesus, Jesus, come on, you must be kidding. A better question Jesus will be, who did not touch me? Look around you, everybody is touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? But Jesus says, Peter, my friend, there's a difference between people who want to hang out with me because they can brush shoulders with me and look cool and someone who wants to be at my feet and is intentional about doing it. There are many reasons why people flocked around Jesus. Read the Gospels. It is not difficult to find a crowd to hang around with, with Jesus. But no matter how big the crowd, Jesus will always ask, who touched me? Because he knows that in our desperation we will call out to him. But he wants us to realize that it is not merely in calling out to him that it would satisfy us. It is being found at his feet and intentionally in doing so. You read this, think about what's happening over here and think about how this person responds. He says, who touched me? It was, it's quite possible that everybody touched him as Peter would say and she could have said, yeah, it's me. But that's not how she responds over here. She stands up and she says why she touched Jesus, not merely that she touched Jesus. Now I want you to put yourself in Jewish feet or shoes as it were and ask yourself the question, what would you be feeling when you just realize and you're told that someone who had an issue of blood defiled to the core touched you. Wouldn't you just recoil there? You could almost feel the whole crowd gasp and say, ah, you just pushed me aside. How dare you come in this group? This is the Mideastern world we're talking about. There's a reason why Jesus paused and asked, who touched me? Actually, there's more than one reason if you read through the story carefully. Because if you continue seeing over here, Jesus, she knew she was well. 
she was healed but then when she the woman saw that she was not hidden she came trembling falling before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had immediately been healed and he said to her daughter the only time in the gospels or in recorded memory of scripture does jesus address another person as daughter how old was jairus's daughter when she was at risk of dying you remember for every moment of her life that she was alive here is someone who was ostracized from everybody do you see what jesus was doing this person might remain unnamed to us but for him she was his daughter that's what it means to come to the god who has come to you and he still is in the business of touching lives he's still here but that's not the only reason why he asked who touched me because just as he was standing there and having this conversation think about what's happening with Jairus think about this father who's desperate think about the man who came rushing to that that shore as it were when Jesus just stepped out of the boat and he flung himself at Jesus's feet and said Jesus please come my daughter is dying think about that man who is standing there beside Jesus and saying Jesus who cares who touched you my daughter is dying and think about that man who now is told why bother the teacher anymore your little girl is dead think about the synagogue ruler who now has to shake his head and say jesus i can't let you come inside my home anymore because there's a dead body not my little girl think about what would have given this man the courage to receive Jesus into his home with a dead body there you know very often we pause and we when we pray or as we are praying and as we are seeking the lord and things don't turn out and we look at others around us and we see that things are actually going well for them we keep asking why me lord why am i not the one receiving this blessing why that person lord it 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 happens but let me suggest to you that god is not blind to your predicament or problems and even when you see before your eyes the good that's happening to those around you can i suggest that you come back and look at a passage like this and pause long enough and look at it through jerry's eyes and see that it was just only because it was just because jesus stopped long enough to ask who touched him would he able to show jerry's that he was beyond defilement 
that it was okay for Jairus to continue taking Jesus at his word. It was okay for him to say to Jesus, yes, please come into my home. Yes, there is a body of my dead child over there, but that's not going to defile you because you just showed us that defilement doesn't defile you. When was the last time you were able to behold the glory of God in his goodness to another? Paul, when he writes to Philemon, he would say this to him. I pray that you would be active in the sharing of your faith. So in so doing, you would know the fullness of God's goodness towards you. The participation in a community of believers seeing what God is doing. Jairus was encouraged to press on in his faith when everything around him told him give up. He was desperate just as that other woman was. But here is she restored to her father, heavenly father as well as her earthly father. And here is this man still desperate. Everyone telling him give up. It's over. It's done. It's finished. Your daughter is dead. Jesus is telling him no it's not. Press on. In your desperation come to him in faith and in your faith, learn to press on. Because God's not done yet. And he comes, taking her by the hand, we are told, says to her, child arise. Jesus is still in the business of touching lives. taking what is hopeless and breathing in it the life that he only can give. It would be incomplete if I did not bring you back to where I began. Yes, it is true. This is for us. This is for us that we as the people of faith are called to respond to God in faith being found at Jesus' feet in our desperation and when everything around us is telling us give up to press on because he who called us is faithful. But if I stop there I would be doing injustice to the text because that's not where Luke stops. Remember I said Jesus began this journey going about teaching people about the kingdom of God and healing people and casting out demons and Luke brings us back to this in chapter 9 verses of the first few verses and he then sends out his disciples to do the same here's a question to you we know that in our desperation we need to come to our Lord in faith and in our faith respond in trust and in our trust learn to press on when everything around us seems to be telling us to give up. How does the world deal with desperation? We are not the only ones who are desperate. We are the fortunate ones because we have a hand to hold on to or better still we have a hand holding us up. What about those who have not heard? What about those who do not know? 
What about those who are still bleeding alone? The Lord sends his body as he builds his body up. And so I say to you this morning, in your desperation, come to Jesus in faith. In your faith, be built up in trust. In your trust, press on. And as you press on, lean into a world that's broken because Jesus is still in the business of restoring broken lives and rebuilding this world because he is not only the Lord over defilement and disease and demons. He's a Lord over death. And a world that's dying needs a riven savior. And they have one. Make sure that as you have come to him, they too will come to him. We hope you were encouraged by today's sermon. Please visit our website, cc-dubai.com, for more information on Center Church Dubai. If you know someone who will be blessed by this sermon, please share this podcast link so they can stay updated.